0: Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Dr. Patty Fletcher, CEO and Chief Storyteller at PSD Network. Patty, welcome to the show. Um, what You you have quite an impressive background, and um, maybe before we kind of get into what you're doing, let's cover kind of where you grew up and uh, get to know you a little bit better.
1: Sounds good, Kevin.
0: Awesome, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, where, where did you kind of grow up?
1: Uh, so I grew up on the South Shore of Massachusetts in a okay. tiny little town called Pembroke.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. born and raised. So how long did you stay there?
1: Yeah, uh, so I was one of those kids who grew up in the suburbs, certainly a a lot bigger of a town now than it was when I was growing up, and I couldn't wait to get the heck out. Really? (laughs) Why why was that? Because I felt uh, pretty constrained and quite suffocated. And as I look back, it's pretty funny. I I loved the high school experience. I had a good growing up. Sure, okay. But when I look back, I felt like the city was always appealing. I, you know, very kind of all white people, typical kind of working class, right? Good people. But I knew there was a world out there for me. Sure. And I couldn't wait to get out. So I left there when I graduated from high school. Um, I left and kind of didn't go back unless I was visiting family and
0: Sure, friends. sure. So what did you kind of take in university then?
1: So I started off as a, as a journalism major. Okay, um, I wanted interesting. To be I, I grew up with my father watching Walter Cronkite and then Peter Jennings. Right, right. Um, And what I realized were a few things and the reason that i i changed from broadcast journalism where i got rid of my accent and if you sure. listen to old videos of me <laughs> that the boston accent's pretty hilarious that's awesome um, but um what i realized is that i wanted to be the news instead of reporting oh, on the news interesting. and so i i started focusing on business i the, the so i'm 46 now when okay. i was growing up business started to take a role in society
2: Sure. Right. So okay.
1: I started learning about lobbying a lot more and, and right. influence and um, seeing the ways that these business executives were having, in some cases, more influence over the world than politicians were. And okay. wanted to kind of see that in the role that business play in people's lives. I started kind of naturally going to more toward a marketing role. I went to grad school over in London. I. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that was awesome.
0: I can imagine. It was
1: amazing. It was amazing. Got to do a lot of work in in Beijing from being in grad school in London through this program. We were helping Western companies um, connect with um, with, uh, Western companies, connect with uh, Chinese companies um, to be able to grow there. And it was just very, very exciting. But as I was of going through my trajectory of school and, and then from there i went and worked um for sap which is one of the largest um, enterprise tech companies in the world 85 percent of the world's economy runs on them
2: really wow I, yeah
1: i started going more toward a marketing role and what i realized was okay. that when i look back at wanting to be a broadcast journalist and now being a marketer and the other stuff that I do, it all comes back to wanting to be able to give people the information they need to make decisions, right? That's where storytelling comes in. So that connection, yeah, and I write and I do a lot of other stuff now that kind of goes back to those roots.
0: Sure, no, that's actually really fascinating. So you, you finished university, kind of what got you kind of... Doing your own kind of thing and and starting your own kind of business. It's
1: a great question. So so a few things. So I I left. I don't do anything normal, which I think most entrepreneurs. Can. Sure, I, I love that though. <laughs> right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as my parents like to say, I'll always learn the hard way. No fair. Um, <laughs> so There's nothing wrong with the hard way. I think <laughs> exactly. So I you know I go I I leave this small town. I'm in the first generation of grandchildren to go to college. Sure. I go to college. I'm at a really small school in New Hampshire. Couldn't wait to get the heck out. Stayed there for a right. semester and a half. Went over to London. Ended up meeting the guy who would be the love of my life. And this okay. coming from a girl who never wanted to get married and never really? had kids. Because I was a little too busy and important. Sure. And so <laughs> he came over. We went to California. Um, I did some schools in Boston before then. Went to California. Um, and when I was in California and finishing up, uh, my undergrad, it was in the early '90s. Okay. So when I was working at Wilson Sonsini Goodrich and Rosati, one Great. of the biggest kind of legal firms focused on on tech. And around me were all these kids who were dropping out of Stanford or going to Stanford and living in their parents' kitchen tables with their <laughs> friends and creating these businesses on something called the internet, oh. right? So I got started kind of getting this interesting bug and had this vibe there that's very unique to Silicon Valley. Sure. So anyway, I leave. we leave there and I go travel the world and study in London. Again, kind of doing my own thing with my family, who sure. very traditional. Going, well, why can't you just stay in one school? You know, why can't you just whatever? <laughs> I get this job at this big company, um, and you know, very very much focused on taking over the world with enterprise software. And then I decide, for uh, other reasons, I was researching my grandmother's life. Again, I love to write, to a book about her, and realized I wanted to research like a scholar.
2: Okay. And so,
1: yep, I went back for my PhD, okay. which my company, you know, helped to pay for. And so I'm learning about virtual environments and transformational leadership because I hate the status quo and I've never liked it. So that's part of being an entrepreneur, right? I want to fix stuff. Yep. Um, and, And so I ended up in this female leadership theory class. Okay. And Carol Gilligan, which is the founder of Feminist Leadership Theory. And I'm in this class, Kevin, and there it's like I have to be in there, but I don't wanna be in there.
2: Okay. Because I
1: never liked women's groups. I never really gave a shit. You know, I was the one okay. who was gonna make it no matter what, whatever. So I'm in this class, and I'm like, oh my God, I am the only woman in the room most times, sure. right? And so I'm looking at my work experience. I'm looking at the fact that when I look up and look sideways in the work environment, There aren't many women there, and I wanted to know why, and just started this whole, quite frankly, unexpected trajectory toward learning more and ended up doing my dissertation on women who hold board of director positions in publicly held life sciences and technology businesses, so few of them. And as I interviewed them and got to know them, so many of them got to where they were, where so few people go, let alone women, and the majority of them are entrepreneurs the majority of them were investors they did the corporate that you know start their own business multiple times and i just started hanging out with them and learning their stories which were fascinating like totally their own rules and going oh my god they saw problems and they knew that they had what it took they didn't have to solve the whole problem it could bring other people and like really kind of cure the ails sure so that's how i came to entrepreneurship
0: okay so is that when you, you started your your company like PSD Network or, or kind of how did that kind of evolve?
1: Yeah, it's so funny. I, I wish I had such a clean answer for you on that. Okay. Um, I started that company uh, with my business partner, Heather Bogini, who is um, also my best friend from, from college. And so for those of you... Uh, who are out there kind of starting businesses while you have a life at the same time, but you want to start a high growth business, I highly recommend going into business with someone else and going into business with somebody who complements your skills. Sure. Um, So the truth is, Kevin, it's been inside me for a while, that the focus of what we do um, is to help leaders change the world. Sure. PSD Network. The PSD stands for putting the seat down. Okay. We were focused. On <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> we were focused. Came from a, one of the interviews I did for my my doctorate, and one of the ladies I was interviewing was talking about a sharing a, into the executive bathroom um, during board meetings and just getting so. Mad because she constantly had to put the seat down, and wouldn't it be nice if she had a executive bathroom where the seat was already down? So, um, just fantastic stuff we focus on. <laughs> so, um, it came in about 2012. When so, I had spent pretty much a career um, okay. helping leaders. Change the world, right? Sure. Helping to define what's next and make it happen. Sure. And what I have found, whether you're a male or female, is that making change happen is incredibly difficult, right? Sure, very and so, much so, yeah. And so, because it's culture, and what we know from Drucker is culture each strategy. So, what I found out was the way to actually be 75% of change management programs fail because okay. nobody's paying attention to the people. So, how do you be part sure. of that 25%? It got to a point just like any other entrepreneur where I was sick and tired of the inefficiency and ineffectiveness and nobody else seemed to be doing it. So I had figured out a way over time to be able to craft this approach that brings both the kind of soft stuff, right? Where you meet people where they are and get them to where you need them to be on a scale. And that always starts with the leader who's trying to create the change and connecting with the followers. Leaders can't be leaders unless followers enable them to be. This is whether you're an entrepreneur bringing out a new product or you're a leader making large scale change within your organization. Sure. And so bringing that together with hard numbers, right? What are those things we should be focused on? What I find is leaders tend to focus on the wrong things when they're making change. People tend to focus on the wrong things when change happens to them.
2: Okay, interesting. And I just,
1: quite frankly, couldn't take it anymore. Okay. And that's what happened. On the other side of the house, I do think that this thing happened in me where I realized that one of my life's missions is to change the way the world sees women leaders in business. Okay. Period. Sure. So that storyteller thing. Being right. able to use my voice with my expertise from my PhD around transformational leadership, which is my expertise, sure. and around women executives in male-intensive industries, right, and what sure. they did to achieve whatever success it is they want, and bring those two things together, and use my voice to be able to tell those stories and sure. share those stories so that other people can learn from them.
0: Sure. that That's very cool. So... I know you guys kind of offer a bunch of different mm-hmm. services. Mm-hmm. Do you want to maybe sure. kind of cover the services that you, you do offer?
1: Yeah, sure. So so a, f- a few things. Um, there's certainly the speaking, right? Sure. The getting up yeah, on yeah. stage. And that's typically where you're sharing. Everybody knows a keynote, right? You yep. share the story. You want people to feel inspired. You want people to go back to their office and go change the world, right? <laughs> sure, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, totally. And so for there, those are just lots of things around mindset, around sharing of others, you know, like I said, the stories of people might own experiences um, so that's part of it sure um, and then also um, the consulting so okay. we work a lot with teams teams who are trying to make change happen okay. um, so those are workshops um, the approaches that we have like enabling folks to to use those approaches as part of their day job one of the big things when you are leading change or a new product or whatever is you tend to be led down a path where you're doing stuff in addition to your day job, as opposed to it being part of your day job, right? Which is why so many change programs fail. You're also focused on making change happen across your organization when the people that you need to help you make the change you're going through their own changes as well.
2: Right. So right. being
1: able to really set folks up, that's a very complex set of issues. Sure. So workshops and then what happens after the workshops. So okay. we help with both the strategy side and the execution side. And then the final thing is coaching. Okay. Um so lots of our focus is on transformational leadership executive coaching meaning that okay. I'm a leader and I have to make some large scale change whether it's I want to get to the next level or I have a huge change program or something brand new. I have a siloed organization. I have to make them integrated. You know, what sure. do I do? The other thing that's been growing quite a bit in my coaching, because I do so much work um, with the Boston Club, for example, with advocating and getting more women onto board seats. Okay. Is offering uh, lots of women now are coming to me, women, um, for board coaching.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. So okay. enabling
1: them to accelerate, it takes about seven years to go really? from, I've decided I want to be on a board to get a board seat.
0: Okay. So what is that? I, I guess I've always kind of wondered what that even kind of means. Like, what does it mean to be on a board? How do you get on a board? Mm-hmm. Should you be on a board? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Should you want to be on a right, board? Right. Like,
1: so I think it's, it's to kind of back up a little bit. Okay. What is a board? Sure, sure, yeah. Like, I think a lot of
0: people don't know, myself included a That's little right, bit, right? That's right, like, huh? exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. It's kind of, you know, my my kids, they watch these wonderful shows on YouTube and whatever, and they're like, I want to do that, and I think, what is that, right? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, totally. um, so yeah, what exactly do you think it takes? So a board is their number one job, Number one job right there, a fiduciary and okay. um, governance responsibility. Number one, right?
2: Okay.
1: And that is focused on deciding who the CEO is and then coaching okay. the CEO, right?
0: Okay, that makes so sense. that's
1: number one, right? Okay. And then with a the fiduciary and governance, do you have the right policies and practices in place? Are you, according to the business tax type that you have, are you making all of the right decisions? Okay. If you're a public company, are you ha- acting? Um, for there's a multiple criteria that you have to follow um, on behalf of your the, the shareholders right are you making those uh, okay. kinds of decisions um, there are all of these if you're there's a difference between public and private boards and then sure. vC backed boards um, public boards are incredibly Incredibly difficult to get onto. You tend to have to have um, officer experience at the public um, level, public company okay. level, which means you have had exposure to the SEC. Like, this sure. is, you know, kind of some big deals. Um, you, um, you are in a room. Um, with other board members who are highly qualified, they tend to have been ex CEOs. Okay, they okay. they are you know very used to the boardroom, and it's all high stakes. And so when you're on a board, whether you are with a VC funded, which I'll talk about in a second, okay. a private or public, um, your focus should be on strategy. And you should be able to kind of take that fifty thousand foot view again, focusing policies. Right? Do we have the right things in place? Are we protecting the the investment that our shareholders have made? Okay, Do we have the right voices? More things are starting to come. I have on my um, on my website. If you go to the insights page, there's a. Um, a blog that we put out recently, should you be beholden to your stakeholders or your stockholders? It's a big kind of thing, right? Okay. Everybody, you know, your customers, your employees or whatever. Or should you do what lots of companies did, which is stockholders? And keep in mind, board members tend to own a lot of stock, right? So there can be a conflict of interest with decisions. So anyway, so getting on a public board is incredibly hard because of the credentials that you need the experience. Um, And then there are um, private boards that are either for companies that are like family companies, very hard, right? Sure. And then and you have a different set of kind of governance and policy with the CEO if it's a, a family kind of company. Um, and then you have VC-backed companies and they tend right. to bring their own investors and sure. their own people. So here's the thing to know about boards. A few things, which is pretty great. They started having um, a few years ago, mostly in response to the things with Enron and WorldCom, right? Sure. So yeah, we all yeah. know about Sarbanes-Oxley. And when I was doing my research, if you didn't have Socks experience, nobody wanted you on their board. Um, that's the accounting rules, the auditing rules, Basel two, and you know, Europe. Um, globally. So all those kind of accounting things now we have lots of stuff coming out from the OIG, the Office of the Inspector General in the US, the Department of Justice, where there's focus more on the people side of things. Okay. Why these are big stakes is that for a long time DNO insurance, director and officer insurance covered your ass, quite frankly, as sure. a, as a board member. And so you had to do duty of care, do there are all of these things as a board member that you have to sign up for. If you break the accounting laws, right, around Sarbanes-Oxley, you're going to go to jail now. Mm -hmm. If now you break some laws around the Corporate Integrity Acts, the things that are coming out from the Department of Justice, where you'd get maybe a slap on the hand or your D&O insurance would cover you, you're now, again, being held personally liable. I can Uh, go to jail. I can pay fines. So some big things. But beside of all of that, getting on a board is extremely hard. Sure. 100% of board seats are filled from referral. One hundred percent. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's all who you know. <laughs> no, but that's the thing, it's not. So it's not about what you know, it's not about who you know, it's about who knows you.
0: Okay. Yes. Interesting. Yes. That.
1: That's incredibly important for entrepreneurs right. as well. And so what that means is if one hundred percent of board seats are filled by who knows you, it's because you are referred to or advocated for. Interesting. Yeah. So we women think, and my research has found that it's more than just who knows you. It's also about your competency because I don't put myself in the game until I think I'm ready to be a player in the game, whereas men are like, I'm in the game. Um, Sure. That's that's fair, yeah. So the reason that it takes so long, right, those typical seven years, it's not scientific, it's kind of observing, is because you're building out all of those relationships of people who you want to have two outcomes for, referral or advocate. Advocate's the sweet one. That's somebody in the room when you're not there going, Kevin's our dude. I got
0: you. We
1: need blah, blah, blah. We need to have Kevin. Okay. Keeping in mind, everybody else is doing that too, right? So then you get right. vetted for the seat.
2: Okay. But yeah.
1: And so here's, here's my observation. And when people come to me for this coaching, so I work with a lot of different organizations focused on getting more women into board seats. Our growth has been stagnant and backwards in in lots of industries. It's going to take us, I think, another 85 years to be on par with men. Yeah, so we need to change that. And it's kind of like when we talk about probably angel investing a little bit longer. I think we need to stop talking about getting more women into the Mm, C-suite, which is the talent pool, right, of boards. And I don't know just put them there if we need to have one more piece of research that says companies outperform financially or make better acquisition decisions or you know whatever the the research that comes out if they have more women on boards one more time that's really annoying because it's like justifying that we should exist anyway So I work with lots of different groups. I've, you know, part of my PhD was in understanding boards, um, an active member of the NACD, which is the corporate directors, National Association for Corporate Directors. Okay. and so I coach women, get them kind of board ready. And okay. so that's a few different things. There's specific kinds of documentation you'll want, um, a board resume, a board bio. Oh, and okay. then there is, those are important, right? Sure. But what's really important, just like in anything else, are those relationships. We spend a lot of time on like, Who are you? What is your pitch? Um, What's the kind of board? You have to be very specific. What's the kind of board you want? Why Mm. do you want it? Why do you have the credentials for it? Where are the trends? Independent directors is a big thing I pay attention to because that allows for additional board seats that were never available before. Boards were very closed. Now they have to have a certain number of independent board seats. Lots of boards now are saying, and I want a woman. Some of the um, things that I get from women are, well... You know, I'm a VP of name the technology product, and I'd really like to be on a board, but I don't have experience. So I'll just go try to be the board member of a startup. So a few things with that. Um, Number one, the VCs, the investors are going to decide if you're going to be there, and they probably have their own database. Number two, um, startups are not a training ground. That CEO needs coaching <laughs> that's you know seems probably the most amount of coaching <laughs> right? especially if they're like 20 that's years right. old or that's something it's right. right. babysitting that's sometimes right, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah and then what's really 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 that's important and why it takes so long Right. Remembering the referral, of the advocate is the reason that you're going to get vetted and then chosen is because you have the best contact list out of uh, anybody else. OK. Think about it. So
0: do you help people then start building their network? Absolutely.
1: Too? It's called yeah. network mapping. OK. And, and what's important is, number one, with all of my research and if you ask me, I'd give the same response. All oh, right. right. So everybody knows you got a network and you ask most people and especially women who have what's called the third shift. Okay. They go to work and then they go home and they're still at work because yeah, right, yeah, they have yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Totally right? Yeah. And so the last thing I want to do is go to a cocktail party at, like Wednesday at seven o'clock with like some crappy Chardonnay and, yeah, some, yeah, yeah. you know, business card. Um talking with people I have no idea where I'm talking to them and all that stuff just because someday it might pay off for me I, I think you need to be a little bit more strategic and, okay. and smarter and if you're coming to me and talking to me you better have a reason for it always put yourself in the other person's shoes so we do this very focused approach on what you start with the end game for everything where okay. do you want to go what do they need? Like where are they going? Okay, great. Now we now that we've identified the company type, let's see kind sure. of who's swimming in those th- those worlds and okay. then we work backwards. But we don't focus on network. We focus on relationships.
0: Sure, makes sense.
1: Well women don't focus on networks. We focus on relationships. Okay. That is a difference between men and women. Sure. It just is. Yeah. And so those relationships are mutually beneficial, something in common, I've had some experience. And you never go for the jugular. That's also a big mistake that people make, right? You and I are at a conference. I'd say half the people who've come up to me when they find out kind of some way that they think I can help them will just come in and ask me for help because they're being told to ask for help. Don't go for the jugular with me, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're not even like my LinkedIn contact. So, right? So you kind (laughs) of start just, you got to build a relationship sure. right? and, yep. and kind of garner some, Hey, I'm thinking about blah, blah, blah. What do you think? You know, people are going to help yeah, okay. you, but yeah. yeah, so that's what we you indirectly
0: ask for help. That's kind of, right? right. You, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. do,
1: or you offer me something first, sure. right? So in terms of the, the seven years, it takes a long time. The reason that with my clients it's accelerated is because we're so focused okay right on creating the right relationships and not relationships where I can manipulate and feel really crappy because I'm only gonna use you and I'm pretending to like you but relationships where I really do like you and I think we can help and I think gosh if I can help you maybe you know there's there's something I can contribute back remembering that being on a board seat is because you want to build a purpose not you want to put it on your resume you might get paid a lot of money but if you screw up for a private company or a VC company and, or the company screws up, makes some kind of decision, they have a lot of debt, you're going to have to help pay that debt as a board sure, member, yeah, right? Sure, like yeah. Personally, Yes, right, exactly. Yeah, you're liable, right? yeah. Like, so there's there's some high stakes in being on a board. Sure. Yeah.
0: So you don't want to, yeah, you want to make sure that you pick the right board right, too, right? That's right. And you right. believe in the product that's or right. service or whatever the well, company is doing, correct?
1: You you have to believe, I think, anyway, personally, believe in the Purpose and the mission. What you really have to believe in is the team.
0: Fair, right? Yeah. So you I have suppose, to have a passion
1: yeah. around. Like I couldn't go for a company that's in the transportation industry because I'm just as cool as I think Tesla's are, or whatever. Yeah. I just don't care enough about. It. I don't have my passion there.
0: I got you. Right.
1: I'm investing in female-founded company as an investor. I'm investing in female-founded companies that solve the problems that ail the world. Right, sure. and so I'm really passionate about that, particularly like women's health issues or sure. babies' health, or you know, a technology that helps me do something more efficient or whatever. And I love enterprise technology. I love changing the way people work and the future of work and all that kind of stuff. Anything large scale transformation like that. So number one, you got me on my passion.
2: Sure. Now, how
1: are you solving it? Is it unique? Is it different? Is okay. it whatever? Right. As a board member, and then. What's really, really, really important, if I don't believe this team or I will have the ability to make sure that the team can, number one, have the right vision, and number two, execute on that vision, Right. probably not the board for me.
0: Okay, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You almost like vet the board as well. Oh, right? you are, like, and so we so spend yeah, so
1: much time on that, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yep.
0: So you, you kind of mentioned investing, so when you do angel investing, mm-hmm. Do you also want a board seat or does it really depend it or, or how does that kind of work?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It depends. And I know quite a few angels who as part of their investing will want to be in at that point, it's more advisory board kind of stuff. Okay. Right? Um, but um, so I, I don't formally um, decide that like if I give you this money, you know, I want a seat. Okay. Um, and I think probably the bigger amount of money, the the more you'll probably want a seat. I'm kind of sure. dipping my toes in with the amount of money I'm putting in right now um, because I'm learning. But um, the bigger the board seat, I'm sorry, the bigger the amount of money, the more you're going, I really want to make sure you're doing what you want with my money, right? And also because I have some contacts that can help you, I can do like that. VCs, right, people who are managing other people's monies or or LPs or whatever, they do have board seats. They do as part of their portfolio. Okay. They also tend to have a group of talent where, for example, um for a company that's building more of a product less of a brand marketing is going to be something that they probably spend money on let's say series b or c or whatever okay. so they will still need somebody to kind of build packaging and do sure. some pricing analysis or whatever so they might take from a pool of talent to say okay you be on this kind of board here and you represent okay. the marketing point of view that
0: makes sense yeah i got you so what kind of kind of companies do you angel invest
1: in mm-hmm. I I focus on um, high – well, first of all, it's going to be high growth, right? Otherwise, they don't need money. Sure. Um, So – and that's another thing I think that when I tell people that I work in the startup community, there's a misunderstanding of – of kind of the entrepreneurial landscape right so sure. there are the kind of lifestyle and i don't know if you were in yesterday's session but there was a yeah, question about it. that yeah so there's a kind of lifestyle businesses i'm not a big fan of that term but those are things that can be self-funded they're not it's not solving a big problem that a lot of people want to solve a sure. lot of people meaning consumers right yep. um and then there's the kind of impact investing which i'm interested in Makes a difference in the world kind of stuff. Sure. Um, but the, the stuff that I'm really interested in, it tends to be technology intensive and okay. science intensive. Okay. And they solve very big problems. Okay. Um, and if they don't solve a big problem, they scale the problem that they solve.
2: Okay. So um,
1: one company that I've invested in, also Pure, based out of the UK, um, Rowan Gardner, excellent CEO, founder, scientist, focused on clean water. Right? Oh, very huge cool. problem in a lot sure. of different places yeah. right and even sometimes in North America That's right. Like, hey you know what you are absolutely right you're absolutely right and so I think about who would be the buyers for that right that sure. would be governments that would be companies that would be the military right that's sure. a really big problem not gonna go away totally I don't
2: Probably only get worse. Probably
1: only get worse, right? Yep. It's really kind of this expensive nut to crack. I want it to be cheaper. I want it to be able to scale. So that's number one. Number two, Clear Ear is another company that I've angel invested in. It is a non-invasive way to clean an ear, right? Oh, so yeah, that's and, very good, yeah. Which is really, really important for babies, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right, so those are tend to be... Um, um, you know, very science-based. I try to stay away. I'm not that interested in things that have to go through the heavy kind of drug trial process. Right, it's a right, long right. Yeah, haul. Yeah, yeah, I love tech okay. a lot. Tech transfer, I love a lot.
0: It seems like pretty much every company now has at least some sort of tech component, right? Like, they have to. Yeah, like yeah. it's basically almost, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, they have to. So it sounds like you're almost in it for the long haul a little mm-hmm. bit. Like these, these companies that you just mentioned that you invested in, aren't like trying to put a filter on a photo, right? Like they're <laughs> right, years yes, probably in a lot yes, of cases, right? Yes. They're trying to say like, I have this prototype, I yes. think I could build this yes. thing. So what is it about kind of that being in it for the long haul do you find kind of appealing?
1: Because I love transformation.
0: Okay, And
1: change doesn't happen overnight. It's sure. not a switch that you flip. Status quo, I mean, we should expect that everybody has clean water.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. It should right. just be like a basic.
1: Human <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. And fair. so being able to stick with it, change is a long process. So sure. that I'm not afraid of. I love the idea of, of helping these leaders achieve these goals and these passions and these dreams. I don't get, I don't get bored from that. Um, business takes a long time. Would sure. I love for one of these to get an you know acquired or IPO'd in the next few years? Of course I would. Right? <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course I would. That doesn't really happen. And that's the other thing about angel investing. You're probably not going to get your money back. You're probably going to lose your money. Okay. So you, the, here's the thing it's really important and and I only will invest in companies that have at least one woman on the founding team. Okay. I have to and that, okay, that sure. you know on the cap table gonna earn some money kind of thing. I prefer female CEOs but not necessary as long as there is a woman on the founding team. And here's the reason why Kevin. Um, 95% of venture money, external money, right? Externally funded, high growth sure. solves big problem, big people goes to men. That means only five percent of external funding goes to women. That means a lot of women, because a lot of women are entrepreneurs. Sure. A lot of women are not getting their businesses funded, right? right. Thomas yeah. Edison was a guy you and I would be talking. I mean, was a woman you mm-hmm. and I would be talking with the lights off, right? Sure. Because we wouldn't have any lights. So it's incredibly important. And be, now I qualify. I can keep just talking about investing more in women a minute sure. for the long haul because I want to change the way people view women leaders. I want to give these women a chance to be able to solve these big problems and change the world.
0: Sure. No, I, I think that's awesome. So if somebody wants you to potentially invest in them, mm-hmm. how do they kind of go about doing that?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's such a good question. And I can tell you, I'm not sure. It, it's so hard, right? When I first started in this, world and interviewing VCs and meeting with you know, lots sure. of women investors. And I'd have them on my panels and blah, blah, blah. And I heard all the stats. I get 1,000 pitches a week, 1,000 a proposals a week. 1,000 proposals a week. So what is an investor doing? They're trying to rule you out. They're looking for reasons to say no. That's what they're doing, right? Okay, interesting. And because of that volume, and keeping in mind, investors are not just constantly looking for stuff. They have investments already. So they're spending a lot of their time cultivating and making sure that their current investments perform well, right? That they are able to get that big client or, you know, get that big partnership or maybe get acquired or do whatever, right? Get toward IPO. So I'm struggling with that. I'm getting a lot of LinkedIn kind of, hi, my name is so-and-so, let's link up, sure, whatever. And then within a half a second, it's, I got this great business
0: idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Send money.
1: Yes, you're like, true. okay. Yeah. <laughs> No, <laughs> All right. Let me guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want my bank account number. Yeah. So how do they do it? You come and meet me. I'm pretty easy to okay. find. Okay. You strike up a conversation. You find out what I'm interested in. I'm pretty clear of what I'm interested in. Sure. Um, you, you network your way to me, right? Just like I would. I get that a lot when I'm coaching um, entrepreneurs. And I tend to, again, coach more female entrepreneurs. They always want to know how to get the money, right? How to sure. get the money. Here's the thing what they're told right is that you perfect your powerpoint yeah yeah. you yeah. get your pitch you get your pitch you get your pitch the truth is brick buildings don't do business with brick buildings right whether sure. we're talking about getting on a board or getting your next customer or funding your business sure. people do business with people sure. going back to the board thing you build relationships you make your way there how do you do that you find out where somebody's speaking you sure. find out you know what thing they're at you send them some bit of information that might be interesting cultivate the relationship over time and don't wait too long if you think you're going to need seed funding or whatever kind of funding series a or whatever within the next 18 months if you are not spending the majority of your time making friends
2: sure yeah makes a lot of sense. yeah
1: so then it becomes kind of i ask you for your pitch, right? I bring I bring in lots of folks to Astia. I tend to meet folks at places like this. Sure. They strike up a conversation. It's human to human contact.
0: I got you. So in some cases it sounds like you'd almost invest in somebody even if they don't really ever pitch you. If like you become friends with somebody and they're like well, I'm thinking of starting this company. What do you think? And then you might be like, well, I'll give you some money to that. Like, it's well, it's probably not that a lot easy. more <laughs> complicated, but <laughs> right? Right? Like, over yeah. a period of time, like yeah. if I know you for six months or yeah. whatever, and I was like, oh, here's this idea. Yeah. And, you know, it,
1: so how it works in an angel group is you tend to you bring your money together, right? It's a bunch okay. of private investors together. So I would introduce you to the network. I would essentially advocate and refer you, uh, right? Okay. And so you. what happens over time is there. my brand is on the line
2: course right
1: for sure so So would you help
0: uh, with their pitch then because if you have to go to the other people in the group
1: you help with their pitch and number one what we're going to be interested in is what's the big problem who's your team and talk to me about the money okay right talk to me about the financials what is the money going to be used for you know how is it what's kind of spatially right (laughs) what's going on so I have no issue with opening up my contact list. Remember, it gets you a board seat, it gets sure. you to the CEO position. Right? Who do you know? Who do you know? Who knows you? Who knows you? And so, if I introduce somebody, um, I and these are my fellow investors or fellow board members or fellow business leaders. It doesn't really matter. Fill in the blank you've got to be ready because I've worked really hard for these relationships. Sure. So you're right. And I you don't want to screw them up, yeah, right? Of yeah, of course. Sure, and sure. I don't want to waste people's time because that's sure. at the end of the day, pretty valuable, right? The most valuable thing. So over time, Kevin, it is the, tell me about your idea. Tell me this, tell me that. I tell me you. And then it becomes a awesome, I think we're ready. How, what would you like me to introduce you? Okay. Right. Interesting. And people get that. They yeah, absolutely get it.
0: For sure. So I'm kind of curious to know about, um, when did you start kind of angel, angel investing mm-hmm. and what was the kind of deciding factor where you're like, you know, I should really kind of do this and yeah. get into it? <laughs> yeah. Because, like, like, when do you decide? I guess. It's like, such I get a that good there's like question. weird, there seems to be all these like weird rules around yeah. it. Like, you need to make X amount of dollars a year. Right. Or, uh, but then, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what made you kind of decide to do it
1: right exactly it's so it's so funny there are weird rules around it they got a lot simpler but in the u.s and that's all i can speak to sure. um the rules changed a few years ago 250k a year um for you have to be able to say that you're going to make that for the next you know right couple of years and you can be an independent investor i'm a board member of avastia we went from this advocating for increasing the percentage of women in high growth entrepreneurship to screw it let's get these women invested in right okay. so we have an angel fund we're doing some other work um so I would write about it I'd you know talk about it I'd be on the stage about it and and I thought well I'm just you know I, have, I'm, I qualify from a financial perspective and gosh you know I advise a lot of people on their businesses and but I still just don't feel ready because, you know, I'm a, like a marketing CEO-y kind of person. I can tell you stuff at this level on finance, but I'm not really sure. You know, I don't know. I've never done this. So I never felt I was ready. I never felt okay. that I was ready. So anyway, um, the White House had a demo day last fall. Sure. Right? And I remember just, that. Remember yeah. that? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so Astia was there, and I decided – I couldn't make it. I had something else going on, but I decided my contribution, instead of representing Astia with the the folks who went down there, was to write an ink article about it. Okay. And my ink article was – that Astia's commitment to let's stop talking about investing in women and actually invest in them. Makes sense. Right? (laughs) So kind of like, let's stop talking about getting more women in the C suite. No, 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 get them in the C suite. Right. So hire them. So I'm writing my article and I'm not kidding you, Kevin. It's like the last sentence. And I just have this moment going, oh my God, I just need to start investing in wait a minute here i am working with all of these executives all the time saying you don't have to know everything but guess what you have a wonderful network of connections of these relationships of people that know different things that you don't know leverage them I'm no different. So I looked at my, you know, community around me, all the people sure. I've met who are investors, they're VCs, they're angels, and went, they can help me.
0: Sure, no, <laughs> it makes sense because you're kind of like, it's your money and you're like, no, I'm just going to give it away. Yes. And like, how do I do that? I or, or like, why do I want to do yes, that? exactly. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah.
1: I have been learning a ton. Ton. Sure. I've been okay. learning a ton. And I'm used to a due diligence process, having worked on the acquiring side of acquisitions. right? Sure. But due diligence or investing is, you know, as a private investor is a little different. But it was really that aha moment of, wait a minute, I'm doing what I'm telling other people not to do anymore.
2: I'm okay. talking.
1: I'm not acting. Sure. And there comes a time. When we just have to stop talking about sure. it and start doing it.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. So you kind of mentioned the column. Well, you write for a couple of columns. Do I you do. want to kind of cover you both columns and what you write for mm-hmm. in those columns, yeah, if absolutely. they're the same or different?
1: Yeah, they are different. Yeah, great question. I've been writing um, uh, a column for Inc. for a few years now called Level Playing Field. Okay. Um, my readership are focused on um, women, high growth entrepreneurs about. Twenty-five million plus in revenue. There's also a pretty healthy mix of corporate executive women who are kind of at the fence, looking over at the sure, side sure. of the entrepreneurs, going, "It well, looks so interesting over there. Tell me more." Um, they tend to be one of the things in in my world, right? As a speaker, as a writer, is somebody focused on semi-inspirational topics, right? It, you know, sure. leaders and all that stuff, transformational leadership, making change. You can get into the inspiration route pretty quickly. I don't need to do that, right? Okay. So you can sure. inspire just to get someone's attention as part of being a storyteller. But my readers in Inc. and I will I will definitely touch on this and when we get to the Guardian, they're all set with inspiration, right? They've all sure. read the books they yeah. want to know what to do. Right? No, fair. So, I think a lot of people are, are, are <laughs> yeah. kind of like, yeah, well, I read
0: all these kind of like, That's, just go for it yes, books. Exactly. You're like, well, okay. <laughs> but what do
1: I do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so ink is a pretty pragmatic kind of thing. So I tend to, instead of calling out and saying, um, you know, this is a woman, instead they just become my examples. And I, I do have you. female and, and male examples. But the truth is I, I try to focus on topics that answer questions that I hear a lot. Sure. I tend to try to use you know, real examples of someone who's gone through it, right? Okay, sure. So it's, it's focused on those women, right? Business owner, I'm um, sorry, entrepreneur, not business owner, um, entrepreneur or corporate executive who they're probably entrepreneurs, right? Making change sure. happen. So these are the women who are making change happen.
0: Okay, um, interesting.
1: Yep, and sometimes I'll do things about investing because even within a corporation, you need to get investment for big projects. Sure. So So there's that, lots of transformational leadership, how do you make change happen, you know, how-to kinds of stuff. The Guardian, um, they are a younger, uh, tend to be a little bit younger. Okay. Um, it's a, glo- it's a more of a international audience for sure I write for the women in leadership section okay Um, so these are women who are probably more so mid-30s you know late 20s mid 30s they are working their butts off right they are just like me you know a younger generation version of me but just like me kind of believe they can do whatever the heck they want sure Um, but they're tired they're starting to get a little sleepy right because they're working so hard and women still do have to work harder than men it just is what it is But what's interesting about this generation, that younger millennial generation, is work's not enough, right? And so, you know, they're growing up during the gig workforce, digital natives, blah, 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 all the stuff we hear about. Um, And what they're kind of thinking is, like, is this it? (laughs) Is there more? Yeah, totally. (laughs) And, And then I really am just sick of all this stuff going on. How do I make it happen? Like, how do I change it? So with those, I tend to um, have kind of more bigger name interviews. Okay. Um, I, for example, um, two articles ago, I had interviewed the head of HR. It's called Employee Success at Success Factors. Okay, very They've cool. They've just spent a few million dollars looking at um, pay um, pay equity in their okay. company and found, you know, men are making more than women. There are probably other segments as well. Sure. And so Mark bennyhoff said, that's totally uncool. And not just, to, like, they had this big program. It all came from this big program about getting more women into leadership programs. Okay. And women are leaving anyway. Well, they're leaving because they're not getting paid as much, right? Yeah. And, so, and, and probably Fair. for other reasons as well. So now he convinced his board that it's going to cost us money because I'm not going to lower anyone's salary. I've got a raise, right? So stuff like that, like what's going on in the world, okay. what's pragmatically, you know, happening. When I'm interviewing some of the big names, Stephanie Buscemi, um, okay. big name in tech. Um, how does she lead like a woman in a man's world? Sure. Kind of stuff like that. Okay. Yep.
0: So you're, you're basically obviously interviewing people that are, are kind of going through it. And, and then do you kind of also give people resources, it sounds Absolutely. like? Absolutely. As well? Yeah, to kind of yeah.
1: Lots of books and, <clears throat> you Sure, know, okay. But lots of kind of just leveraging all the expertise stuff I have. But, but certainly, um, you know, People can find out where to get more information and, and, and stuff like that. What's important about what you just said, and you know, lots of people read Lean In, and I think that's a very interesting book. I think if I leaned in any more, my face would hit the ground. <laughs> um, I don't think there's anything wrong with women, and I'm sick and tired of people sure. trying to fix women. I do think that we have constructs that were built a very, very long time ago, and they're antiquated, and they were built for men going to work and women not particularly Fair, white okay. men going to work yeah. right and so instead of let's replace those i think we live should live in an and world we should still have white guys that work there you go you're welcome Appreciate but there should right we don't have a lot of you know yeah, yeah. african americans and in, in tech and blah 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 so we should have an and world and, and the and world sure. is extremely complicated but we've got to figure it out and we all need to care about that and that's fine um so my writing tends to be for the kind of rest of us population, those who sure. didn't go to Duke or Harvard or Stanford, you. those who weren't born into the right families, those, quite frankly, like me, okay. right? Kind of had to work my way through, navigate my way through. I made a shitload of mistakes. Sure, <laughs> no, but, but I think that's important, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and we we all have a place, and it's not about us acting like men, right, which is a lot of what the lean-in thing is, not acting like men. I think bits and pieces of that are, are sure. fine that she shared. I just don't think it applies to a lot of people. Um, and that's okay. It's just an alternative. And I also wanna be able to say, and I think you and I talked about this in the pre-interview, the stuff I do, the stuff I write about, the stories I share, the coaching I give, there is no right or wrong way. There's a way that's gonna work for you, right? And what works for you today probably didn't work for you last year and might not work for you next year. So it's all about context, getting what you want, you feeling good, being authentic, um, and figuring out those tools you need in order to get to where you are faster and sure. smarter um, versus fixing you because you're a square peg and everything else is around hole.
0: Yeah, I think what kind of resonates with me with what you're saying is you kind of need to figure out you're born like a certain way or gender mm-hmm. or like skin color race yep. whatever yeah you need to figure out how to play that almost like to your advantage yep. instead of letting it kind of hinder you yes and I, I get like as a white male i yeah it's easy for me to say that <laughs> but
1: but well, like, no, right? but like yeah. and, and
0: i have an interesting story that i'm, I'm curious that really got me thinking about it yep. well two actually that are quick i was on a bus in la one day and there was this old black African-American lady, super nice lady. Mm -hmm. We're having a conversation for about a half hour, 30 minutes into the conversation. She's like, why are you taking the bus? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you're a young white guy. Like you have the entire world at your fingertips. Like you couldn't be born a better Mm -hmm. kind of gender or race. And, and like that, that was 2004 and it still stuck with me. Right. And it basically, it was interesting because, I I never really, until then, I never really thought of it like Mm -hmm. that, right? And Mm -hmm. just being that way, there's certain things that I think I take for granted just by being that, right? And it really got me thinking about that. And that's kind of why I like having people like yourself on Mm -hmm. the show that can help other people that to show like, well, you're not, yeah, you might be hindered in certain Mm -hmm. things, but there's ways to get around that Mm -hmm. and, you know, try to, overcome Mm -hmm. that I guess right is is why I like having people like yourself that have done it and can inspire other people to get over it right and and that really resonated with me Mm -hmm. and the other story I was going to mention quickly is I took the train in Los Angeles through a bunch of kind of um, non-white neighborhoods and I was the only white guy on the train to feel like the minority Mm -hmm. that was the first time that I was felt like the minority and it was an interesting experience right and it's really eye-opening to me right in a lot of cases yeah and everybody's like were you scared I was like no of course I wasn't scared like people are people like I'm not and I'm not <laughs> racist or whatever right. but and it was awesome to have that kind of experience because I grew up in Canada right yeah. and there's not we well, are yeah, obviously we're multicultural yeah. but most people are, you know, white, right? And so having that experience was very cool and eye opening to me. And I remember those two, and I'll probably always remember those, right? And so I think it's really cool that what you're doing and you're helping kind of people Mm -hmm. promote themselves and kind of help them through whatever they're going Mm -hmm. through, right? Mm -hmm. And getting them to where they want to be. I think that's really cool.
1: That's awesome. Thanks for saying that. Mm -hmm. You know, so many I love those two stories. Um, So, so many things come to mind. So, remember, I went back for my PhD because I wanted to learn how to research like a scholar. The reason I wanted to learn how to research like a scholar is because I wanted to be able to study my grandmother's life. Sure. So, my grandmother was born in 1915, Turkey, Armenia. Her father was killed when her mother was pregnant with her. She was the youngest of nine or ten kids. Um, She was... I think her mother was six months pregnant with her. Her mother was 40 at the time um, when the Turks killed um, my great-grandfather. When she was just a few months old, um, the Turks came back to kind of take the rest of the family, hid my grandmother in a bureau drawer. Oh, wow. And um, some of the sons had to go to the uh, mountain. One of the daughters was uh, hidden in a floorboard, and the others had to go to church. And lots of just really, really bad, bad, bad things happened. Sure. And my my grandmother didn't have a good life. Um, just some, some pretty scary stuff from a genocide. So it was them So my mother is first generation Armenian American. Okay. My, the Armenians were very, very much impacted from the genocide. It's not recognized. Just lots of stuff that kind of happens there. Things happened to my grandmother because of the fact that she was born in a woman as a woman in 1915, Turkey, Armenia. Period. Yep. So here I am, this white woman. Sure. Born in 1969, North America. Sure. I have no freaking excuse. Right? Mm, so there's fair, that. Yeah. And, and I do believe, it, and my grandmother never really, she could never use her voice. And okay. so. I can't seem to shut up. Um, And so here I am wanting to change the way the world views women leaders. I also want to help every leader be able to change the world. There are good people everywhere. It's, you know, a lot of women and a few good men, as one of my friends says. Um, I will pretty much help anybody. So there's that. The other thing that I want to touch on that I think is really, really important. So with all that said, right, and the fact that I do focus on women is important. Okay. Everyone faces adversity. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. (laughs) No. Totally. Yeah. Some more than others. But yes. But but no. I can't tell you the number of of times I've heard, and including from my cousin a few uh, months ago, who said to me, "Well, it's no picnic being a white guy." And I think, "Ah, (laughs) right? So everybody faces adversity. Sure. And so, what is important is your mindset right fair so every barrier is a strategy waiting to happen so is the world unfair of course it is is it more set up to be successful for one certain population over another of course it is we could bring wealth into the conversation right of course it is is the world flatter because of technology yes but that assumes you have access to it sure
0: yeah that's very true right yeah
1: so the job that i do is very much with the slant around you're going to face adversity. When sure. you are screwing with someone's status quo, they're gonna pull every trick of the book at you. And a lot of it's gonna feel personal. Fair you're enough. a woman, you're a guy, you're rich, you're poor, you're, you're marketing, and you should be tech, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Right? Some of them are more personal than others. Some of them, I you know, can't change the color of my skin, I can't do any of that. Yes. But overcoming adversity, and I'll tell you that every person I've met has overcome adversity. The folks who wake up in the morning and focus on the purpose and the job that they're trying to do and figure out the strategy to make it happen are those that succeed. They have sure. that mindset versus the I've yet, by the way, to meet a successful woman who wakes up in the morning and goes, I'm a woman in business. God, what am I going to face today? Is one, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. And yes, the minority thing is important. Being in China was an eye-opening experience sure. for me, right? The only white person. Um it was quite interesting and I, I think it's a very humbling experience. Oh, for sure. It the was. world's a big place.
0: Yeah, like it yeah. was it was awesome. Like I I don't know I don't know how to like put it into yes. words really. Yeah. But it was just like to f-
1: but you weren't afraid? No, not at all. Yeah. I was
0: like well, I knew like chance yeah. nothing's gonna happen to me. Right. Like it's just people, <laughs> right? But it was interesting to feel yes. that. Yes, right?
1: and be like this is what people feel every day. Well, yeah, exactly. And right? Yeah, because, yes. Yeah, yes. like people
0: move, immigrate from. Yes. Well, I guess in in a lot of cases we're all immigrants yes, to we North are. America, yeah. right? And yeah. people f- seem to forget that all the time. Yes, yeah. But you know, like people move here all the yeah. time, yeah. and you know, obviously they're in the minority. Yes. Just and yeah, it was just to feel like that for an hour or two is interesting. It's crazy. Right? It was a life experience it's crazy. For sure.
1: Yes. Only a Canadian could make that positive. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> I don't know how to,
0: like, try, like, I'm trying to make it not a negative, because it wasn't at all. Like, I had That's a blast, awesome. actually. No, here. isn't it
1: wonderful, though, those, yeah. those, you'll, you'll think back to that for the rest of your life. Sure. I'm absolutely right. Right, yeah. and,
0: like, I, like, I haven't really left North America, mm-hmm. so I would love to go to Asia and mm-hmm. other parts of the world to experience that yeah. again. I could right? totally and see you and, doing that. Yeah, like, yeah. I would love to go just to see it. But, uh, Patty, we're running out of time, so maybe let's close the show with kind of promoting again where people can find yep. you online and, Any social media stuff, um, your columns, whatever you want to kind of promote.
1: Sure. So um, probably the best place to start is um, drpattyfletcher.com. That's D-R-P-A-T-T-I fletcher.com. And in there, there are my links um, to my latest columns from Inc. Magazine. If you go to Inc. and you search Patricia Fletcher, you'll find me. Um, If you go to The Guardian and search The Guardian Women in Leadership, Uh, patty fletcher or patricia fletcher you'll find me um twitter i'm pk fletcher okay look for me there and then uh facebook um dr patty fletcher um fan page
0: awesome and i'll post those uh in the show notes as well for anybody listening yeah thanks again for doing this i'm glad we got to do this and i'm excited that we you know connected online and a few days later we're recording this that's awesome thank you yeah cool all right we'll talk soon great okay bye Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.